You're about to get stuck into another edition of the GP Fans Stewards Room podcast, breaking down all of the action from a racing weekend in the world of Formula One. And if you like what you hear and what you see, you can rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on all good podcasting outlets, including Spotify, Anchor.fm, our host and iTunes as well. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can hit the subscribe button down below to stay up to date with all of our content there. And if you like the musings of you and Gail, Sam Hall or Ian Parks, Follow Twitter or Instagram at GPFansGlobal to stay up to date with all of the breaking news in the world of Formula One, or even just get on the website, gpfans.com. But now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to another edition of the GP Fan Stewards Room podcast. We're, of course, talking all things the Canadian Grand Prix this Monday. I'm delighted to be joined by the Brain Trust once again. Sam Hall, Ewan Gale, and, of course, Ian, the Poutine Parks out there in Montreal. Ian, got to start with you. How is everything this weekend? And quite the thrilling race we eventually got on Sunday. Well, number one, I'm not a fan of poutine, so thanks for that, mate. <laughs> One of the worst food combinations you could surely ever have in a bowl of uh, bowl of whatever you want to eat. Uh, it was it was an enjoyable weekend. I thought we got a good weekend out of it. Um, great weather uh, in terms of the mix of weather. Not great as in it was lovely and sunny and all that kind of stuff that uh, I've been able to report on in the past. It was a real mix of weather. It was cold. It was chilly on Saturday. It was as we saw the rain came really gave us a lovely mixed up grid didn't it as well going into Sunday's race and uh, that had a great knock-on effect for the actual Grand Prix itself um, which was uh, which was lively and uh, what a cracking finish uh, really enjoyable um, could have gone either way and Max did a great defensive job from Carlos uh, I'm sure many people out there many Ferrari fans and many neutral fans I would have assumed really wanting to see Carlos on the top step of the fo- uh, start that one again top step of the podium for the first time in his career just didn't come off but at least he showed us something a bit of fighting spirit because he's not had a, the best of seasons up until this point and you've got to feel that first win's just around the corner for him given the car he's got beneath him now normally i go completely around the horn with everybody else and say you and how are you doing sam how did you enjoy it but i want to pick you up in on what you just said there and and you mentioned that carlos Sainz looked like he had that chance but I want to put it out to you guys. Did any of you actually think that there was a point where he was going to get him in those final 16 laps or so after the safety car came in? Verstappen had the lead. Sainz had the fresher tyres. I personally never felt that the Ferrari driver was ever quite close enough, except at the end of lap 69 of 70. And then he had his little squibble out of turns one and two on lap 70 and just lost that gap and, and the advantage that he pulled back on Max Verstappen. Yeah, I... I never actually thought he was going to get the overtake done. He got within sort of four or five tenths a couple of times under DRS, but he never really looked like he was going to make that move. Um, it wasn't that he lacked the killer instinct. It was just that he didn't have enough speed. Max was too quick around the tight twisty bits and extended his gap to exactly what he needed to lap after lap after lap. Um and given that he's leading the championship now by 46 points from Perez, 49 from Leclerc, it's it's, it's it too early to say... Ian's smiling at me, knows where this is going. Is it too easy to say that this is Verstappen's to lose? 
Uh, the answer is no. I don't think it is too early to say because I think he's. Uh, we, we we said how brilliant he was and how elite he was last season in the battle with Lewis Hamilton. I think he's taken that up a step again this season. He, when he's out in front, he does look unstoppable. And uh, in the battle with Sainz on a, on Sunday, he did everything he needed to in exactly the right places. He never gave Sainz a sniff out of turn ten. Traction was perfect, and um, yeah, he never looked. Never looked in trouble. And the other thing is, is I'm, I'm trying to think of the last time in a battle he made a mistake uh, when he's in direct battle with someone. We, we always gone about drivers behind trying to apply pressure to the to the guys that are in front of them. I just I can't remember the time where, where Max locked up and ran on or, or, or spun in a way that like Vettel did in 2011 against Jensen Button, which Christian Horner said was uh, in the back of his mind as well. So, yeah, impressive, Max. Carlos, great to see him back uh, back on form and maybe getting a bit of confidence, but it's going to take a lot of stop in them Red Bulls. Yeah, I mean, Verstappen played it calm as you like out front, as Sam mentioned, just able to keep that gap at the right amount so that Science could never really get close enough. Ian, though you touched on it's a great result for Carlos Science, and he needed this, particularly with Charles Leclerc struggling at times to get through the field because of some decision-making and getting stuck, of course, at the back of that DRS train as well when he eventually pitted. But Science showed that up front he can at least put pressure on those Red Bulls and he can get the best out of this Ferrari at times. Yeah, we've been waiting for him to do something like that because we've seen glimpses of the talent that we all know and believe he has at various stages. He's just never been consistent enough with with displaying that talent. And I think he needs that kind of run now to show to everyone that he is as good as Leclerc. And obviously, this car as well, the SF75, has not really been to his liking. Pretty much like Daniel with the, the Merkel 36 at McLaren. Again, he's somebody else that has struggled with this new aerodynamic concept that's been introduced. And it's delivered a car that's, with in Ferrari's case, has been certainly more to Charles's liking. And that's why he was able to make that great start as he did. We've all seen it tail off, but we know why. So for Carlos, he's been waiting for that car to come to him or, or for the car and him to merge. And at last, we're getting a little bit of, glim- a bit of a glimpse of that now. But what, is it, what he needs, as I say, he needs to show us that he can now do this on a regular basis. And he, like Charles as well, just needs to eradicate these mistakes that occur from time to time uh, within his racing game. It's interesting what Ian's just said, because while he was talking, I just looked up. Carlos's been on the podium so many times this year that I actually wondered who's been on the podium more out of Leclerc and Sainz. Yes, Leclerc's had two wins, but he's only been on the podium four times across the year. Carlos has actually been on the podium five times now. So... It, we, we, we were waxing lyrical about Charles earlier in the season, but same as at Mercedes, you've got George Russell, Mr. Consistency. You've, Ferrari's got their own Mr. Consistency in Carlos Sainz. He's delivering the results, and he's, he's only uh, what, he's 24 points now off of Leclerc. So he's within a race win. If he gets that win, and Leclerc has more bad luck. And by the way, Sainz has had more retirements as well. So it's... It, 
it, it's quite so you're a nice saying picture. Carlos Sainz is better than Charles Leclerc is I'm what you're saying. I'm saying Carlos Sainz isn't as isn't doing as badly as we would seem to think he is. Uh, yeah, but the problem with that, Sam, is that the Sainz's retirements were his fault, or or at least partially his fault. Um, Azerbaijan. Yeah. Uh, well, no, but the spin in Australia and the spin in Imola, um, you know, at least partially his fault, if not entirely his fault. Um, and when he was on the podium, he was miles behind Leclerc and Verstappen, who were merrily battling up in front as well. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's so easy to just look at the results sheet and go, yeah, we're being a bit harsh. But actually, when you sort of dig in deeper and have a look what actually happened, then you start to go back towards, OK, yeah, Leclerc's been slightly ahead. Where that's is the, the wonderful thing the about stats you can gone? read in, that's the wonderful thing about stats yeah. you can read into them however you want to <laughs> and always make an argument for whatever case you want to put forward yeah you and gail the the man that can use facts to prove anything at this point here on the uh, stewards room podcast is there a point though that ferrari the drivers are there but perhaps this pit wall still isn't there in terms of making the right decision. Leclerc was stuck behind Ocon for a long period of time, couldn't get the move done. And when they eventually pulled him in for his pit stop, bringing him out at the back of that train, meaning he'd had to fight through once again a, a whole host of the, the middle order. It's just not quite there with the chemistry in the on-track race that Leclerc runs at times and Ferrari. And obviously everybody's going to talk about the mistakes in Monaco as well. I'm not so sure about the strategy this time. I thought they did everything they could. They went long on the uh, on on the hard tyres to start with. Okay, he got bottled up behind Ocon a bit, but that was more to do with rear tyre grip and rear tyre life and traction. Um, and then he would have been in front of that gaggle of cars had the tyres gone on suitably and and not been a three second delay in the pit stop. So that wasn't down to Ferrari strategy. That was a bit of bad luck, of course. It did stop his charge up. He probably would have been up with Russell um, for fourth, maybe even Hamilton for third in the end if it wasn't for that. But he came from the back of the grid with a car that was struggling at the corners and still managed to get his way through when you needed traction to come fifth. Damage limitation, yes. It looks worse because of how big the gap is from the other races where they fumbled. But I think if you take it as an isolated race, you probably look at what Ferrari did and go, yeah, that's that's a pretty good result. I mean, I think Leclerc's name's obviously in there for the driver of the uh, the day coming from the back. I think Lance Stroll, you could probably throw in there, his home Grand Prix and able to end up in the points at least and finish off. I suppose there's frustration on the part of Alpine with Ocon holding up Alonso at the end. Alonso didn't have the race that he wanted, didn't get that run down to turn one as well. They're a difficult car to get past, but they don't seem to get past many themselves, the Alpines, this season. Esteban Ocon, on a few occasions, and Alonso as well, have done really good jobs of just holding up faster drivers behind them throughout this year. It was solid from Alpine, but there'll be some regrets, surely, of what perhaps could have been, particularly with Alonso starting and second on the grid. Well, Fernando had an issue from lap 20, technical issue that he said with his car that uh, compromised him. Uh, along the straights, which meant, as in his own words, great lovely phrase, that he had to be kamikaze through the corners <laughs> to ensure that he got enough pace coming out of it that he could actually then hold people back along those straights. So he, that compromised him, but you could see there was, uh, just watching him in the pen, the TV and the written pen uh, on Sunday afternoon after the race, you could see, he was, I saw him at one point just standing there, he'd done a TV interview and he was just shaking his head like that because I think he knew that this was a great opportunity for him from starting second on the grid 
that there was the inherent pace within that car that uh, he could have uh, been on the podium. Certainly that third place. He knew he didn't have the pace of, of the Red Bull or the Ferrari, but he absolutely felt that he could have been battling with Lewis for third place. And it was another result that just went by the wayside for him. As I say, when you start in the front row on second, despite the mixed conditions on Saturday that played its part, but boy, was that Alpine quick in those conditions. And obviously he had that penalty as well late on that dropped him from another couple of places. Uh, so I think Alpine know they've got a good car there. It's, again, it's all about that consistency, isn't it? No one is consistent at the minute. We're getting all mm. these reliability issues. That was a major talking point post-race yesterday in the paddock with all the, the drivers and the team principals. Why all of a sudden, particularly when you look at the power units, great reliability last year with these power units. Why now all of a sudden they're the same power units? Nothing's changed. You know, we had the, the rules were homologated over the winter, so the, the, the power units are frozen. Why now? all of a sudden we're getting these consistent issues to make the power units inconsistent. Uh, it's a, it's a, to say, it's a great talking point, one that nobody can really uh, explain fully as to why this has now happened this year. But what it is doing, it's actually giving us uh, a, a reasonable championship to a certain degree, with the exception, of course, that now Max and Red Bull on his side of the garage have got on top of the issues that blighted them at the very start. And he's just put together this phenomenal run. For this championship, I feel, to be uh, as close as it was last year, and potentially with a Perez in the mix, a Leclerc in the mix, a Sainz in the mix, I think we're going to have to see a little bit more unreliability on Max's side of the garage again to bring those other guys back. Then that will make it interesting. I will attempt to answer Ian's um, engine concerns with a conspiracy theory, as we, they're, we they're always good. Well, we we know that teams are allowed to make changes and upgrades to their power units if it's for reliability and not to add performance. So say you're Ferrari and you've got your power unit, you know that it's a quick one, just turn it up a little bit, increment, incrementally up a bit, the reliability is going to go down. Eventually you'll hit the point where it does break. But then you can fix that and you can do an upgrade. So you're keeping on getting these small incremental gains, which, no, we're not doing this for performance, we're doing this for reliability. And then suddenly you're a lot quicker. So why would you not be doing this? Um, bum, yes. Bum, 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 bum. I'm going to knock that theory on the head straight away, mate. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> because there's no way it can be turned up because the, engine, the power units are monitored by the FIA. So even if they decided to add a couple of horsepower, the FIA would spot it straight away because those their power units are tested. Sam, Sorry, mate. Sam, Sam bowls down. a fastball and Ian Parks is forward defensive, bats it straight back down the wicket at him. <laughs> There's a much easier explanation to be to be found. I'm oh, here we people go. People aren't talking about it, and this this obviously isn't proven, but in my head it makes complete logical sense, right? How many years have we, have we heard uh, race engineers telling their drivers to stay off the curbs because the oscillations are breaking the car, and all of a sudden we've got cars consistently oscillating through a race, whether it be through porpoising or uh, mechanical bouncing through the chassis stiffness. It's probably rattling the cars from the inside out. Now, if you if you can't drive on a curb for five seconds a race in previous seasons, then surely this bouncing cannot be doing any of the reliability any good. And yeah, you know, I think it the the startling thing is that 
even when the same power units are having, or the same gearboxes are having issues, there are always different issues. I, I think there's probably only been one or two repeat issues so far this season. Like Azerbaijan, four Ferrari power units went conk, and I think they were all different issues. One of them was a Sauber problem, obviously, um, on Alfa Romeo's side. But other than that, there was a hydraulics with Carlos. There was um, all sorts of things in the PU for Charles. And there was another thing for Kevin Magnussen as well. So that's the thing that's startling, I think, is the fact that there's so many different issues. It's not just like last season with Mercedes towards the end of the year. They knew what the problem was. They just couldn't fix it. It, it there's a lot that teams have got to do to get this solved. I think it's going to be a continuing theme all the way through the season. So we're saying the Ferrari one is basically made out of paper because it keeps on falling apart with all the bouncing. The Red Bull they've been able to do with like you know a bit of duct tape around it to hold it together. Mercedes have got an incredibly reliable power unit though this season. Lewis Hamilton keeps on mentioning it. And I love how it's such a little subtle dig at the Ferraris. And I think particularly Red Bull as well, after obviously Checo went out on lap nine this weekend. Hamilton saying in his post-race press conference, you know, he's so thankful, regardless of the bouncing, that Mercedes have built such a reliable car. And then the turnaround this weekend for Mercedes as well, Ian. I mean, that that was impressive from Hamilton driving the worst car he's ever driven around Montreal on Friday to being able to put himself on the podium on Sunday. Controversy abounds, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> it was. It was a. You look back on that, and it was. It was a fascinating weekend overall because uh, Mercedes. We had this technical directive, as we all know about that. Uh, that the FIA issued, saying, "Oh, we're going to uh, look at things now with regard to the poor poising." And we're doing it on safety grounds. And all of a sudden, Mercedes introduced this second stay on the car, uh, which, how did they manage to manufacture that so quickly? Ferrari and Red Bull, both Mattia Bonotto and Christian Horner, both said there's no way we could manufacture that in 24 hours. So the conspiracy theory going up and down the paddock was quite fascinating because, of course, uh, there's this lady now who is effectively overseeing F1, a lady by the name of Shayla Ann Rao. She used to work at the FAA, then she went to Mercedes, and she was um, Toto Wolff's former personal lawyer before going back to the FIA in her, rec- in her now current role. Uh, so, and then Mercedes decided, oh, actually, no, the, the stay didn't work, we'll change things. They were wretched in practice on Friday, and as you rightly pointed out there, Ollie. Lewis came out of that absolutely as miserable as sin, describing the car, as you pointed out again, as the worst he'd ever driven across his entire 16 seasons in Formula One now. And then all of a sudden they make these setup changes over the course of the weekend and they have a car that's relatively stable. It didn't bounce anywhere as near as much, certainly nowhere near as much as it did in Baku. And they produce this great result. Certainly for Lewis, it was his first podium since Bahrain in the season opener. It was the first time he'd beaten George since the season opener. And he was a happy chap again. So now we're going to see where we're going to go with this uh, remarkable story regarding this technical directive, whether uh, it's going to be upheld by the FAA, whether they're going to try and force it through, whether changes to the regulations are going to be made that inevitably that will more than likely help Mercedes even more. Uh, 
the plan is for that to be resolved prior to the British Grand Prix in uh, just under two weeks time. But yeah, very interesting story. It's a case of watch this space over the next couple of weeks. Let's see what happens before the British Grand Prix now. That's well, how you they... sell a conspiracy theory, Sam Hall, by the way. That's, <laughs> uh, that, you know, that's got to be sucked in and there's a Netflix documentary coming out on this one. I started something with these conspiracy theories. We've had three in here now. Well, the thing is, as well, as I backed it up, is, and, and it was quite convenient, wasn't it, that uh, about 30, 45 minutes after Otmar Zafnauer, our Alpine's uh, team principal, said, oh, yeah, we, 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 we might protest this at the end of the weekend because uh, it's not part of the regulations. They take that second stay off. It was, uh, it was all very... I'm, I'm going to use the word interesting. I think that places me in the middle enough. Yeah, because Mercedes was the only team that had that available in its armory going into Friday practice because less than, the team, less than 24 hours after the TD, the TD had come out so late yeah. that it, uh, um, it nobody, no team was able to respond, or the relevant personnel that could have looked at the TD were actually en route to Montreal, and yet Mercedes had one. Wow, how, how did that happen? I yeah, wonder. and teams mm. don't have like lathes and stuff in the back of their garage either. They, they haven't yeah. got enough space for them. So You, you no. don't carry those around in the boot of your car, Ewan, when you're pootling around? No, the no I don't. No. <laughs> and don't worry, I'm not the only one that's saying this, by the way. You know, you had the likes of Christian Horner saying similar and Mattia Bonotto. How did they manage to have that available in their armoury going into, into Friday? Um, I did ask both, actually whether they felt, um, whether they had full trust in Shayla and Rao, as I say, Toto's former personal lawyer, going forward. Christian refused to answer. He said, politely, I'm not going to answer that one. Mattia was a little bit more forthcoming, at least. And he did at least state that, yes, he did have full confidence in her to be trustworthy and impartial going forward but it is as I say a very interesting conversation one of those little backstories that was taking place behind the on-track action uh, across the Montreal weekend fascinating stuff and we've got two weeks until Silverstone so that backstory can come to the forefront in those two weeks as we wait for the action to get back on track again any other business before we depart from Montreal and Ian I know you need to be Often jetting back to the UK from uh, from your pastures away, Sam. You and any other business? I think just give a quick shout out to Alfa Romeo. Really, mm. to be honest, both both in the points with um, for the first time again since Bahrain. Seems that anything that happened in Bahrain is almost repeating itself. McLaren don't score. Alfa Romeo double points. Lewis on the podium. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, Seventh and eighth with Bottas leading Guan Yu Zhou for his second points finish in F1. His highest points finish as well in F1. Um, so, yeah, just giving them a little shout out. Just go, yeah, well well done. Good job that weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, Zhou's been my unsung hero of the season. Uh, you know, it, he's been denied a lot of points through uh, team issues with the, with the car. Um, but he came in under this cloud of, well, he's, he's only there because he's the first Chinese driver and he's got all this money behind him. What's he done in F2? He's come in um, and performed at a really high level, hardly made a mistake. Um, and he's and finally getting the points. I know he scored in the first race, but finally getting the points after a horrid run of luck 
that he deserves. So really impressed with him. He's giving Valtteri a bit of a run for his money as well. And we know how good Valtteri's been this season. Oh, there's already, yeah, always somebody singing for Valtteri on this podcast. And I mean, I know it's not normally in, so I know you weren't bad to jump in and give Valtteri all the love there, mate. <laughs> I wasn't. I was going to give Joe some love because, as, as Ewan's rightly pointed out, just to just to echo what he was saying, he's been another one of those that's just been hit with unreliability. Um, he's had so many um, unfortunate things happen to him. So it was really nice uh, to see him um, pull off a, a really good result for him and the team. That will give them a lot of confidence now. But of course, as seems to have been the, one of the running themes through this uh, this conversation. It's all about that reliability, isn't it? It's about being consistent with that reliability as well. I think that's what's been so impressive about him as well, though, is his attitude through all of the, the troubles that, have, uh, that, that he's had as a, as a rookie, to have the attitude. He hasn't lost his temper or anything. He's been very calm. He's been very uh, forthcoming with what he's been saying about the issues, but very considered about what he's been saying as well. And you know, just applying himself and qualifying was brilliant on Saturday and again in the race as well. So. And we're just around the corner from Silverstone, not only in two weeks' time, but it's about 10 miles up the road from me. So I'm very much looking forward to some on-track action just round the corner. We will be back after the British Grand Prix next time out as we leave Montreal in the dust and look forward to Silverstone. Gentlemen, as always, thank you so much for joining me and having this discussion about the Canadian Grand Prix. You can find all three of their musings on gpfans.com, gpfansglobal on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and all good social media outlets. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button down below to stick with us here for the whole of the F1 2022 season with GP Fans. Thank you